0: Hi, this is Jan Miyazaki, the host of the Wednesday 8 O'Clock Buzz. Thank you for tuning into WORT. If you like what you're hearing, please consider making a donation at wortfm.org slash donate. 8.32 and joining me is Dr. Clarence Lusane. He is professor of political science at Howard University and director of the International Affairs Program there. He's also emeritus professor at American University. Um, Dr. Lusane is the author of many books including Black History of the White House and No Easy Victories, Black Americans and the Vote. And I'll be talking with him about his forthcoming book $20 and Change, Harriet Tubman versus Andrew Jackson and the Future of American democracy. In his new book, uh, Clarence Lusain takes stock of the millions of, of Americans who have mobilized for and against honoring Harriet Tubman by enshrining her image on money and places that debate within the ongoing struggle to realize a democracy in which her emancipatory inclusive vision prevails. So I'm glad to have Clarence Lusain on. Good morning, Clarence. It's great to have you on this morning.
1: Good morning, Jan. Great to be with you, as always.
0: Hey, you know, I was thinking, I think I had you on um, WORT a year ago at this time, and then shortly thereafter, a couple of weeks after January 6th, it has been a crazy year, 2021. Before getting into what you're looking at in your book, and it's really about all of this struggle going on in America right now, you know, it's been a crazy year since January 6th. What's, your, what's okay. your take-home thoughts?
1: No, it's been intense. And so the book uh, and, and many others have been writing that the uh, erosion of democracy in the U.S., which was already limited in, in many different ways, uh, has accelerated. And we're at a very uh, important tipping point. And it's really critical that the movement for democracy merges with the other social justice movements. And that's that's pretty much what the book is about. But we're not out of the woods by any stretch. And unless there is accountability and uh, essentially uh, punishment for the uh, what happened on January 6th, but everything leading up to it and what's happened since, then it will be repeated. Uh, with uh, more uh, urgency than ever.
0: So the, the so people that are defying the subpoenas to I, I guess they're subpoenas to come before the committee or folks who are just uh, ignoring it. I mean, do you, I I guess I it, what 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 next? I mean that that's that that lack of any kind of respect for the Congress's authority, right?
1: Yes, yeah, so there are remedies, uh, principally the Department of Justice. So if Congress refers someone uh, to the Department of Justice for their defiance, then it becomes the responsibility of the Justice Department to enforce the law. And it becomes a a very big problem uh, if that's not done. And we know that under four years of Trump, there was complete impunity uh, not only because Trump controlled the Department of Justice and uh, under Jeff Sessions and Bill Barr, they simply were not going to uh, to do what they needed to do, but also Congress was under control of the Republicans. And so those accountability mechanisms simply did not work. But under the Democrats, uh, they cannot repeat that. Or in effect, you just created a system where uh, you can get away with uh insurgency and sedition
0: you know the um so that that we're 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 looking at that we see um in 2021 the the conviction of the murderer of george floyd um we so, so we we're we're looking at a voting rights act that you know is in limbo what do you think about that
1: Yeah, so voting really is, uh, and uh, the whole uh, idea of giving people uh, full access to voting, uh, of course, has been a central struggle of African Americans and others, uh, you know, going back centuries, basically. Uh, So that has been never-ending, and there were steps made along the way, uh, particularly the uh, 1965 Voting Rights Act, uh, the Help America Voting Act, uh, there have been other uh, advances, the uh, constitutional change, for example, that lowered the voting age to uh, 18. So there have been advances, but there's always been opposition. And what we have seen is the uh, rise on, uh, in, in many ways, success of that uh, opposition to uh, repress uh, the vote through voter suppression Uh, We're seeing it through gerrymandering, uh, but also uh, in terms of uh, conservatives taking over uh, election systems at the state level through the Secretary of State, through uh, positions as Attorney General, through uh, other lower level but important uh, roles in in election. And so there's an all-out assault on the uh, right to vote, and there has to be a all-out response and we just have not seen that uh so far and it really has to be a push on uh the democrats and on joe biden again and at in, in the positions they're in uh there are things that can be done uh that have to be done but we're uh in a moment where the ascension of white supremacy white nationalism uh these militias uh are really challenging uh, everything that we fought for, um, and and all of the victories that we won. Was the was the um,
0: the justice for George Floyd? Was that? Do you think that was a a true change moment?
1: Uh, you mean the the proposed legislation?
0: Well, well, actually, good point. Just you, the, the, the conviction the of um, the per- the the officer that that killed him, of uh, Chauvin yes Uh,
1: so that uh it was an important uh individual uh victory but uh it was limited and it uh happened in fact in contradiction of what normally happens uh but you know the the uh filming of what happened you know there were a lot of things that worked in favor of a conviction uh in part Uh, Keith Ellison being the attorney general uh, and making sure that, you know, things were in place to to make that happen. That does not exist around the country. And the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, case, for example, is more what happens. uh, And we've seen that time and time again where uh, individuals have gotten away, whether police officers or basically individual Uh, white nationalist vigilantes uh, have gotten away with it. So the conviction in the murder of George Floyd and the conviction in the murder of uh, Ahmaud Arbery uh, were really, really important, uh, but they were also uh, exceptions. And we need uh, strong laws. The George Floyd uh, Policing in America Act, uh, which died in the U.S. Senate, uh you know would have been a step it there was you know lots of uh shortcomings in that bill but it would have been a mo- uh, major step if it uh would have passed you know
0: yeah it's it that the, the i the new book 20 dollars um and change can you tell folks you know what what you were wanting to tell the story of
1: so the book is in two parts. Uh, the first, and uh, it grows out of the decision in 2016 by the then Obama administration to place uh, Harriet Tubman uh, on the front of the $20 bill uh, in place of Andrew Jackson, who, by the way, was going to be moved to the back. Uh, but we can talk about that in a minute. <laughs> Uh, and uh, there were changes also going to be made to the $5 bill uh, and to the $10 bill. And these came about because periodically the Treasury Department has to change the currency uh, for security reasons, and the then uh, Treasury Secretary Liu uh, decided to take advantage of that necessary change, uh, as well as campaigns that were pushing for a uh, woman uh, women to be on uh, US currency. Uh, and there were lots of online petitions, there were surveys, there were town hall meetings. At the end of all of that, uh, there was universal agreement that uh, if the woman was going to be placed on uh, and on front of, a, of an important uh, currency, and it turned out the $20 bill, it should be Harriet Tubman. And so that opened up that uh, discussion and there were uh, massive debates in the black community and beyond the black community. And so what I try to do in the book is to capture the importance of those debates. Uh, And the first part looks at Harriet Tubman and reminding people of what her contributions were beyond just helping people uh, escape from slavery. Uh, That's how she's basically known that she escaped herself in 1849. And then she went back countless times uh, and rescued other people and uh, never lost anybody. She was never captured. Uh, But beyond that, she was uh, uh, involved in the Civil War on the Union side, and she was a scout, she was a spy, she was a cook, she was a nurse, uh, and she was the first woman to lead a military raid. She led a raid down the Combahee River uh, in South Carolina and freed over 700 uh, people who were enslaved. And then beyond that, uh, she was also active in the suffrage movement and advocated for women's rights, for the rights of the poor, uh, for the rights of people who were infirm. So all of that is to remind people of her unique contributions to the country, and uh, we can't honor her enough. And on the other hand, there's also a chapter on Andrew Jackson to uh, dispel all of these myths, as as a lot of your listeners probably know, uh, Andrew Jackson was uh, Donald Trump's favorite president. Uh, and it makes sense because he was a butcher and he was a racist. Uh, his uh, direct involvement in massacres of Native Americans and black people is well, well, well documented. Uh, so whatever people think about Harriet Tubman being on the twenty. Uh, it's pretty clear that Jackson should not be. Uh, So all of that sort of to set the context, but then it's to uh, look at the discussions around racial and social justice and gender equity around COVID-19, the uh, George Floyd uprisings in the U.S. and around the world, uh, and the movement to take down monuments and change the names of Uh, buildings and schools and and other things that are named after white supremacists and segregationists.
0: So once um, President Obama uh, had had announced that Harriet Tubman would be on the $20 bill, like what happened? What what was the reaction to that? Uh,
1: So the reaction went in uh, both directions. So there were uh, in our uh, African Americans who were opposed Uh, They weren't opposed to Harriet Tubman, but many felt that or some felt that her being on the $20 bill uh, was uh, exploitation, uh, that it was uh, an uncomfortable position given that she had been enslaved and had basically been uh, like people who were enslaved, a commodity uh, Mm. who bought and sold. Uh, And so there was... uh, and and many people felt that it was uh empty symbolism, that it was gonna be performative anti racism. Uh this is in all in the black community. Uh but overwhelmingly there were in the black community support. Uh there were polls that were done, surveys, uh eighty percent plus of the black community uh loved the idea, thought it was important that she uh that she would be honored. Uh and you saw it on twitter and facebook and you know many other ways in which uh overwhelmingly within the black community uh on the uh white side uh, uh, to the degree there were surveys it was uh, much much less and then once you looked at conservatives and you looked at trump supporters it was pretty much a no uh and so that you know set, set up and for reasons that had everything to do with racism, sexism, and, and everything else horrible uh, you can imagine. Uh, and to, a, to the degree possible, Trump basically slow walked, uh, and clearly if he had uh, stayed in the second term, uh, would have killed the idea uh, altogether. Uh, so what they ended up doing was delaying uh, the production of the $20 bill uh in part, it was delayed just out of it takes a while to yes. put in all the security and make all the changes so uh it wasn't gonna happen in trump's first term uh anyway uh but it, it should be far enough down the road uh and the projection that it will come out around eighteen i mean uh twenty twenty nine or twenty thirty uh should be uh basically unstoppable. Uh, but again, I would not bet if for whatever reason Trump was able to become president again, uh, he would stop it in a second.
0: So, what's the story on both being on the $20 bill? And the, I don't think she'd like, Harriet Tubman would like to have Andrew Jackson on her
1: back. Right. So, the other part of this is there was also a decision to move Andrew Jackson to the back of the bill. So, uh, I think that that's not settled and there's still the possibility to uh to make that not happen. Uh there were uh there was a group called Women on 20s. Uh there were other advocates who fought for her for Harriet Tubman to be on the front of the bill, uh but did not necessarily address uh the issue of Jackson being on the back. So that's still an, an effort and I've you know uh written letters and talked about it. Uh, Jackson should be removed overall and so hopefully uh, the book will remind people uh, what a a horrible person uh, Andrew Jackson was Uh, the man committed genocide Uh, and so he should he should not be on you know he should not be honored on a $20 bill at all any bill for that matter you know uh, why
0: are these these uh, why is this important You know why are these are symbols, right? Why why is it important? I I know um, earlier in the month uh, the um, there was a case in Tennessee. um, Still, uh, a African American defendant uh, judged by an all white jury uh, in a jury room that has the portrait of um, Jefferson Davis um, wins a new trial because of all of these
1: symbols. Right. So uh, so symbolism, uh, I argue, is important and is not separate from uh, substantive changes that have to happen. So it isn't just about getting these symbols, uh, but it's also understanding the way in which symbols facilitate uh, systems of dominance and oppression. And so the, there's, it's, there's a reason why buildings are named after segregationists and people who fought uh, uh, for the South in the Civil War, Confederates, and uh, because those symbols were telling a narrative about the country uh, that reinforced the uh, racial and gender, and other inequities uh, that exist. And so part of our fight, uh, I contend, is that even as we fight for substantive changes in terms of uh, policies and laws uh, that really generate a more equitable racial and gender uh, society, that's coupled with also the symbols that tell the story uh, about the country. So the case you talked about um in um in Georgia uh was a room where you had all this, you had a Confederate flag, you had a, you know a portrait of uh big Jefferson Davis uh and you know basically these all-white juries. And so, you know, they walk into a room that reinforces this lie about the uh uh, Civil War, and uh, all of that feeds into, and so they're actually looking at other cases because that w- and the room itself was sponsored by the uh, daughters of the uh, uh, Confederacy. I forget the exact name, but it was a pro-Confederacy group, and so you know there was no room in that building where sponsored by Black Lives Matter, or, or you know, or you know more. Um, you know, the Moral Monday movement by, you uh-huh. know, Reverend Barber. So, you know, you have to have a uh, neutral uh, environment in which you're making judgments about what happens to people's lives. And so uh, in that sense, then, the symbolism really is important. And one of the things I document in in the book is you have schools all over the country uh, in which in many instances uh, are 70, 80, 90 percent African-American or Latino, they're named after segregationists or Confederates. And so every day you're walking into a building named after Robert E. Lee or Jefferson Davis, you know, or some segregationists. Uh, How does that facilitate and what does that do for the learning process uh, for these students, right? Now, that, again, is symbolism, and we want schools that are quality. That's the kind of most important thing. But we also don't want schools named after uh, individuals who really represent the opposite in values. Uh, Here in Washington, D.C., we literally just changed the name of uh, Wilson High School, which was named after Woodrow Wilson, who was a segregationist and, you know, other problems. Uh, But part of coming out of the George Floyd uprisings uh, was a reinvigorating of that movement Uh, That finally, uh, after a long battle, uh, led to uh, removing uh, Wilson's name and and adding the names of two local uh, educators who were really important. The um, case we're talking about, you said,
0: was, and the room, you said this was no accidental design. And the court agreed, acknowledging that the location uh, of jury deliberations can clearly be biased and they were willing to end the marriage. They say between overt white, or, or others say between overt white supremacy and fairness in and, um, jury de- determinations. And you know, this is just one deliberation room there that that we know of. You know, right? These remain all over the place. This is more that this is
1: not accidental. Right? No, that's a, it's important. So. Uh, you know the part of the importance of the George Floyd uprising was that it put all of that in the spotlight. So not only reform of policing in the country and uh, you know laws that uh, counter uh, racial justice, but also that people were no longer willing to just accept the honoring of individuals who absolutely do not represent. Uh, The kind of values that the country uh, says that it espouses and the kind of values that we see in the racial justice movement and the movements for, uh, you know, equality and equity for women uh, and, and other groups.
0: Hey, I'm speaking with Clarence Lusane, professor of political science um, at Howard University. He has a forthcoming book, going to come out next year, and you can pre-order $20 and change, Harriet Tubman versus Andrew Jackson and the Future of American Democracy. Clarence Lusain is also the author of The Black History of the White House. Um, Clarence, it's just great to talk with you. I appreciate everything that you're saying. And also, you know, going back to the beginning when you said just needing to have a movement that that is about racial justice and economic justice and social justice just working
1: together oh absolutely and all of this is in the broader context of the struggle for democracy uh and at this point the struggle against uh, authoritarianism and uh, autocracy uh because we're really seeing a uh, uh, Fired-up movement on the right to institute uh, a a an anti-democratic uh, regime, uh, and that's happening at the state level. And we see it in terms of the the undemocratic uh, policies and laws that are being passed, not only around voting rights, uh, but around women's rights, around uh, you know across the range of uh, policies. And there are people in Congress who are, who represent an extremist, uh, uh, far right, uh, position. And you do, do not want these people, uh, to really have, have power. And then we saw what happened under four years, uh, of Trump. And so there is a need to make sure that we keep the struggle for democracy out front. And then part of what I argue is, Uh, The racial justice movement uh, before Harriet Tubman and through Harriet Tubman uh, was essentially movements for uh, expanding uh, democracy. And so we need to keep that kind of uh, light in front of us so that as these efforts to roll back uh, democratic norms uh, or to keep in place, some of the undemocratic policies and laws that exist, like the Electoral College, for example, uh, that we can fight against all of that. Hey, thank
0: you, Clarence Lusain. It's glad to have you on. Um, And we'll talk again next year. Thank you so much, Dr. Clarence Uh Lusain.